Romans chapter 8. We're going to read the first three verses. Well, no, we're going to read a little more than that. We're going to read... uh, Well, we'll read until I find the end of it. Alright, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Now those are familiar verses. What we're going to talk about is a carnal mind. I've got two or three pages of of different kinds of mind, different things about the mind. And this is just something that's been on my mind this week. So here we go. Verse 3, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's true. And it's a clear black and white fact. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Do you all hear that? That's pretty strong language. What's death? That means you're not going to heaven. You live with a carnal mind. You're lost. No matter how much you think you're saved. No matter how many experiences you've had. No matter how many Bible truths you know. And think you understand. This is the dividing factor here. When we're born again, we walk after the Spirit. When we're lost, we walk after the flesh. We're either spiritually minded or we're carnally minded. One is life, the other is death. Now, nobody here is carnally minded, are they? Well, of course not. Nobody's going to admit it. Nobody's going to believe it about themselves. But they are. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's how you can sit in church all your life and listen to it and ignore it. You're not subject to it because you're carnally minded. That's the answer. It's the only explanation. There's no other explanation. It's how you can sit in church and you can go to Bible school. You can do whatever you want to. You can be a preacher and still be carnally minded and bust hell wide open. Be a part of that crowd that day that says, I've done all these wonderful works in your name. And he says, I never knew you. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you know any Baptist that would would say that he's not in the flesh? No, we're in his flesh. We're in the flesh. What does that mean? Well, it means what the context is talking about. Walking in the flesh. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It's pretty plain. I mean, there's no arguing. It's just over and over where he's separating it out and telling us just how it is. Carnally minded, death. You're lost. 
The very first definition in the English dictionary for carnal means unregenerate. It says it. Look it up. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. The body, not the flesh. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. All right, now we'll stop right there. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. It amazes me that this is the justification that they give for their invention of a carnal Christian. That you can be saved and yet carnal. In fact, we all are. They'll go even as far as to quote Romans chapter 7, I am carnal, sold under sin, and say that's a Christian. How do, you un how do you understand the Scriptures when you interpret them that way, when you've got that kind of a concept in your mind of salvation and righteousness and, and godliness and the Spirit of God living? How can you have that kind of a concept? Well, you've got to rest the Scriptures. I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not, yet, uh, are you not carnal and walk as men? Carnal and walk as men? Envying, strife, and divisions. Now, you know, I've known uh, through the years, older preachers, I've heard this a lot from them, still hear it from them. I understand more about it now. But their biggest grief and their biggest burden is that they preach to people all their life. Some of them the same people. And they still don't get it. <coughs> The biggest grief to them is that the people have sat there and listened and listened and listened and they're still this. This is still their life. You know, they'll support the church with money. They'll help with the work. They'll do everything, but they're carnal. Why, how do you know they're carnal? Because there's envying and strife and divisions among them. We think of carnal, we think of vices like smoking and drinking and cussing and immorality and we've all got this short list seems like that of sins of the flesh that we check them off and we're good. We're not carnal. If we don't do none of those, we're not carnal. <laughs> not true. Not true. Uh, this is going to be kind of tough because I had a lot of other scriptures to go with this. And I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to pull them all up. I do remember a good bit of them. They're fresh on my mind. But, let me get there so I don't lose it. All right. But the evidence that the Bible gives here of a carnal mind is envying, strife, and division. Not 
Not, and there was a verse that I had written down, and it's that's what it said. It it named uh, lust and wantonness, and then it named uh, uh, envy. Uh, no, it named uh, what's the other immorality. Uh, it was drunkenness and rioting, and then it was uh, lust and wantonness. And then it said, envying and strife. Those were under the heading of carnal. So how do you know if you're carnal or not? If you smoke cigarettes, you're carnal. Well, yeah, but that's not, that's not the main thing. Show me in the Bible where it lists any of those things connected with carnal. I mean, even lust and wantonness. Now, it is carnal, but the Bible doesn't connect them in the same verse. And over and over, it connects envy and strive and division with being carnal. Because you're walking as men. And so, there's the, there's the hitch, you see. Now, nobody will admit they're carnal. Nobody would think that they are. Not at all. But there's a whole bunch of things that I wrote down about a carnal mind and a spiritual mind. A spiritual-minded person is somebody who desires mercy for others. Truly desires mercy for others. A carnally-minded person is one who desires judgment for others. Who desires justice. They need to get what they got coming. Somebody needs to teach them a lesson. You know, a carnally-minded person generally sets themselves up as the judge, the jury, and the executioner. We diagnose the problem they have. We write the prescription for the treatment they need. And then we let it all be known as much as we can. See, a carnal-minded person is always looking outward at other people. Spiritually minded person is not. When they look out, they see different. Their attitude, their opinion, their view of people is different. Their desire for people is different. Carnal minded person, they think, they look at everybody and they think they're a nuisance and a problem. They're a nuisance and a problem for me. They're trouble for me. They're, they're stupid. They're dumb. They're ignorant. They're wicked. The carnally mind that's carnal mindedness, people. Yes. Yes. It's not spiritually minded. The Spirit of God doesn't dwell in us so that we can determine who's worthy and who's not. And who's measuring up and who's not. Emulation. It's competition. It's competition with zeal. It's uh, it's uh, it's set, it's a feeling of it has to do with being superior, which envy has to do with being superior too. You're pained at the superiority or the success of another when you see it. When they don't agree with you and they seem to be faring better, is envy. Now nobody would ever admit that they're envying anybody else. But see, this here is a progression. It's not three different thoughts. It's not envy and strife and division as if we're going to talk about three different things. It's a progression. You envy, 
that brings strife, and strife brings division. Yes, right. And nobody envies. Everybody thinks, oh, I don't know. Because we redefine envy so that it means something that it really doesn't, so that it justifies the way we feel about it. <laughs> so nobody envies. But we can tell that we really do because of the result of it is strife. What's wrong with churches everywhere? What kills churches? Strife. Envy, strife, and divisions. So what is, what is that evidence of? Carnal-mindedness. Walking after the flesh and not after the spirit. It brings two different results completely. Carnal mindedness, spiritual mindedness. It brings two separate things. Walking after the flesh, walking after the spirit. It's going to be, have two different results. There's going to be two different sets of fruit. There's going to be two end results of it. Completely different. Walking after the flesh, walking after the spirit. It changes our attitude toward everybody and everything else. If you walk after the Spirit, it's going to produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Now that's what it's going to produce. What are all of those directed at? Other people. You see the big deal about sin is because it's between people. We sin against God when we sin against one another. And the sin is manifested here. When David committed his sin, he said, against thee and thee only have I committed this awful thing. Well, is that really, I mean, is that literally all there was to it? No, he sinned against Uriah and Bathsheba and uh, Joab. I mean, there was a lot of people involved here. What about Ahithophel? Eh, who all was offended by that? That's who David sinned against. Who was, who was harmed by that? Eh, that's who David sinned against. It's a trespass. It's a sin. It hurts other people. We violate other people. Rights. We have no rights to ourselves when it intervenes on somebody else's right, when it crosses and trespasses against somebody else and causes them harm or loss or grief, then we've sinned against that person. So sin has to do with how we get along with one another, how we get along with the human race around us. That's what sin is. It's us trampling over one another and hurting one another. And sinning against one another. Every sin has that element in it. There's no, that's what it is. It's transgression of the law. Carnal minded people don't care about that. Most people are carnal minded. It ain't no wonder he said, Strays the gate and narrow the way that leadeth to life. Few there be that find it. Because that's what I observe in life. After all this time, I've figured it out. There's very few people that care about anything but themselves. And it's easy to see. Carnal mind, it's manifested in a lot of ways. 
But and I've already mentioned some of them. But I, I just I thought about this all day. You know, I thought about this, so I'm thinking on these scriptures and how it's manifested: envy and strife and division. <laughs> and I and I think about people and how they live. And you know, one of the ways that it's manifested in people a carnal mind is always being in other people's business. Drama. Drama. We call it drama because that's what it is. All this social media and all this has just magnified it in our time. We used to have gossips and loud mouths and tail bears and those are all carnally minded people. If you're a gossip, if you're a tail bear, if you've got a tail and it's bad all all you ever notice that? It's always rot. It's never nobody's anxious to tell something good about somebody else. Why? Envy. That's why. That's carnal mindedness. Envy proves a carnal mind. So there's evidence right there. We very seldom ever anxious to tell others about some good thing about somebody else. (laughs) But boy, if it's rotten, we've got something to say, don't we? We can't wait to tell it. And always got an audience who's carnally minded. They wouldn't want to listen if they weren't carnally minded. But they like it. Like to cut people up. Makes us feel like we're superior when we cut other people up. It's carnal mindedness. I mean, I'm just driving this home tonight. Trying to drive it home. Kind of scattered because I don't have my notes. But I'm just telling you this is, this is what I was had in mind to preach about tonight. Carnal minded. Being carnal minded or spiritual minded. Always concerned about what's going on in somebody else's life. Or I mean, I can sit here and I can just see faces in my mind of people that I know that that's all their life consists of is drama. It's just always some big stink going on between somebody or them and somebody or that they're all caught up in it when it's not even concerning them. It's between them and them and they're just... You know, that's all they're concerned about. They're just so into it. And it's just, life's just one after another. They just live like that. It's an emotional addiction to to junk. We went to the doctor yesterday, sat there in the waiting room. There was a TV behind us somewhere with a soap opera on. <laughs> I ain't heard a soap opera in a long, long time. I just, we sat there and just laughed and laughed. I thought, my goodness. <laughs> Do people sit and watch and listen to this stuff? They no wonder they act like they do. It's unbelievable. So fake and phony and shallow and yet that's what people feed their heart and their emotions on. It's such junk as that. But always concerned about somebody else. Spiritual minded people are concerned about other people, but not in that way at all. They desire mercy for them. They desire peace. They desire to help them and watch after them and help them to get to the place where they're under the grace of God and the knowledge of God. Until they can get to God, you want to help them. And you want to be an encouragement to them. You want to be a blessing to them. 
being spiritual minded, you're going to feel that way about other people. And not only that, but you're going to put it into real life action. Not just pie in the sky by and by kind of junk. It's real life. Being a Christian is real life action and involvement. It's not some high ideal that we hold. It's how we act between one and another and other people that are without. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Because you're always a fussing and a fighting. And you ain't got nothing good to say about anybody. I don't think that's the way it was. I had so many verses. I hate it because I don't have them here to, in order to read. And yet my mind is tired and very... Uh, got some loose screws or something. I mean, things don't work like they used to then. But I just want to make this clear tonight. Carnal mind. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. I, I remembered a story, so I looked it up. And it was a story about George Washington. There's more to it than I'm going to tell. I got, had a little piece to read, but it's on my desk at home. But There was this fella during the Revolutionary War named Peter Miller. He was a preacher, a pastor of a church. He had been involved in one denomination, if you want to call it that, but he he got converted over and started with some Baptists. I mean, he went moved with them, joined them. He became their pastor. So, well, I hope he's having fun. He he was their pastor. Well, when he left that denomination, even. Back then, one of the deacons got so mad at him and hated him. And this deacon would, he, he hit him in the face. He spit in his face. He was after him all the time. Wouldn't let him have any peace at all. It's during the Revolutionary War. Well, this other fellow, he was a big mouth. Couldn't keep his mouth shut, naturally, because that goes with that kind of a person, see. And so... There were some of the American spies met him somewhere one night and they got to talking to him. Of course, him being a big mouth blowhard, couldn't keep his mouth shut. And so he went to telling about how he was all for England and he backed them and he was a sympathizer with them. So guess what? He got arrested for being a traitor. And so they took him before Washington. He was tried and Washington sentenced him to death. And so they was going to hang him. Well, this Peter Miller came to Washington, George Washington, and he begged a pardon for this man. And Washington said, he said, he said, I can't pardon him. He's a traitor. And said, he's done been found guilty and the evidence is against him. And he said, but why would you? He said, I can't pardon your friend. And he said, well, he's not my friend. He's my worst enemy in my life. He's done all these things. He's never been kind. He's done everything he can to destroy me. And Washington said, he said, well, now that changes the whole picture. 
He said, I'll give him a pardon. And he pardoned him. Put the pardon in Mr. Miller's hand. And he took off as hard as he could go to the place where they had him. And he got there just as they were leading him up the steps of the gallows. And the old man, that his enemy, said, Well, here comes old Peter Miller to watch me hang. He didn't want to miss it. And when he got there, he had the pardon. He said, Stop, stop. You know, I have a pardon here. And they didn't hang him. And they went home together and were friends from then on. <laughs> I don't believe Peter Miller must, he must have not had a carnal mind. Jesus said, Love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And, yeah, and persecute you. Well, it sounded to me like that's what he did. Now, why would a person do that? To help him. Just to show off and make a name for themselves? No, no. No, there's got to be something besides a carnal mind there. Because a carnal mind just says, <laughs> he's got what he's... I'm a, I mean, I'm going to go watch it because I've been waiting for this for a long time. This is just what he deserves. God has avenged me on mine enemies. No. Better be careful because you can have a carnal mind real easy and, and don't think you do. You may not smoke, drink, be immoral. You may not cuss. You may be as squeaky clean as a Pharisee and still have a carnal mind and be an enemy of God and be headed toward everlasting death. Where's your mind run? What concerns you? What interests you? How do you feel toward other people? There's the real question right there. And not so much how do you feel, how do you act toward other people? Even carnal people have this, they feel ashamed of themselves once in a while, so they'll try to pretend to be real concerned about other people and compassionate. Some, I've seen some extremely carnal people have a real burden for souls. You don't believe that. <clears throat> I guarantee you, it's true. They don't really care about souls. How can you care about souls when you treat other people like you do? I've known people that's been... So, and I've known more and more, and let me tell you, through the years, but I've known them that's so zealous for soul winning, and they're monsters yep. to their own family. Yes, yes. yep, I've seen them. Yes, sir. Yep. Hateful, mean, yep. cruel. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a, there's a, something ain't wired up right there. They some, that's not right. That won't work. It's not the way it's supposed to be. There was an old saying, charity should begin at home. Love. How can you love other people when home is a, is a boxing ring? Well, you can't. You can't. The old timers had it right with that song. It makes me love everybody. Sure does. It changes my attitude. My temperament, 
toward others. I don't feel toward them what I used to feel. This old, see, envy's at the root of it. I wish I had the definition because there was more to it than that. It's, it's, it's that, uh, that pain at being inferior or feeling inferior or feeling outdone by somebody else. We all want to be the top dog, yeah. the best, mm-hmm. the one everybody looks up to. We all want to be the one who calls the shots. Really? That's, that's really what's in everybody that is carnally minded. Carnally minded is not, it, their selfishness is not much different than carnally minded. I mean, I really can't tell where the difference is at. It's me. It's what I want. It's what I think. It's envy, strife, and division. Well, division is the end of it. So a person that's carnally minded, they just keep closing themselves off more and more and more. Yeah. They keep drawing lines. They keep making their list of check that one off, check that one off, that one off, that one off, yeah. until they're the only one left. Yeah. Right. It's a definition of envy. What you just saying? They're at the top is what you just said. Yeah. No. Yeah. Here's what I. Is this Webster's eight? Yeah. Yes. Okay. There it is. All right. It's pain, uneasiness. Mortification or discontent excited by the sight of another's superiority or success accompanied with some degree of hatred or malignity and often or usually with a desire or an effort to depreciate the person and with pleasure in seeing him put down. Envy springs from pride, ambition or love mortified that another has obtained what one has a strong desire to possess. Wow. <laughs> There's more, but that's enough. I just envy. Strife is fighting. And it includes that word emulation. And emulation means, and strife also includes this meaning of zeal. Yeah. Being being all souped up. It, I, I tell you, it's a wonderful thing after all these years to finally understand a lot of things I've seen through life and can yes. figure out why. Yeah. What in the world? What, how can anybody? I mean, what in the world? <clears throat> the zeal of thine house. Zeal without knowledge. Yeah. Paul talked about about the Israelites. Israel having a zeal without knowledge and they were all Israel they were lost that's in Romans I believe chapter 9 I believe as he said that's when he was talking about he could wish himself a curse from Christ for his brethren they have zeal he said for I'll bear him witness they have a zeal for God but without knowledge Pharisees scribes all those that Jesus was the hardest on. They were religious and had this zeal for God, but it was without knowledge and they were just going around. What did they do? Well, they crucified the Lord Himself. Well, If they did that to Him, what were they doing to everybody else that had any kind of righteousness about them? 
They had the same attitude toward everybody else. They were just, they were just killers. They were always cleaning house. I remember God telling me about a deal in a church up in Pennsylvania one time. We were at that church when we were on deputation. But after we were gone and all that, a few years later, they got in a big fuss, had a big fight. One of the guys that was there told me, he said the men were together and and some some of them were saying, no, now listen, we don't need to be doing this because they're fixing the the preacher. I mean, they're going to take him all apart and get rid of him. One of the others said, no, you just shut up. We're mowing grass here tonight. Baptist Church. Yep, we're mowing grass. Now that's a business meeting at a Baptist Church. <laughs> King James. Yeah. You know what it is? It's a bunch of carnally minded people playing games with religion and God and destroying other people in the process. Saul sent out word. He cut up a bullock and he sent it all over the country in pieces. And he said, every man that don't come after me and do what I say, that's what's going to happen to you. That's how he held power. Do you ever hear about David doing anything like that? Never. Nope. The carnally minded person threatens, intimidates, tries to control. Mm -hmm. The spiritually minded person leaves all that alone. You get as old as I am, you'll figure out you ain't going to make nobody do anything. (laughs) That's true. In church, it doesn't matter who you are. There's people that think, you know, well, you're the pastor, just tell them not to do that. <laughs> You've been around long, have you? Or you're their dad, just about their grown kids. Yeah. You know, do something. Yeah. Do what? Spiritually, a spiritual mind begins to understand the carnal mind. The, car, the spiritual mind understands the carnal mind a lot better than the carnal mind understands. He don't even understand the spiritual mind at all. So anybody that's carnally minded don't even get where I'm coming from tonight. I'm just saying bad things about the way everybody is and the way life works. I mean, what are you talking about? Well, we're supposed to not recognize anything's wrong with anybody. Spiritual mind can tell. Got a lot more discernment than a carnal mind does. Carnal mind is very apt to misinterpret, misunderstand, misapply uh, the truth. Much more because they don't understand nothing except their self, their selfish desires, and understand. Don't work. Don't work. You can't make anybody do anything. <laughs> Does God make people do anything? Does He make them not do anything? When there's some big disaster, that's what they all cry. Why did God let this happen? <laughs> Well, he lets you get away with your sin. You get to do what you want to do, don't you? Why do you want God to stop them from doing what they want to do? See how hypocritical that is? And how blind it is? It doesn't work that way. God don't make nobody do nothing. There's people who think that every... I mean, if an ant crosses the road, it was preordained from the foundation of the world. That ant crossed that road that day at that time. 
They think every little thing God orchestrates and plans and... I don't believe that. Man is a free moral agent. And if God controlled everything, He wouldn't let man do what He's done for the last 6,000 years and doing what He's doing right now. Now, there's a time when God will say, evil men and seducers shall wax worse than they shall proceed no farther. There's a line that when we cross that, God steps in. And He'll put a stop to it. If He has to destroy the whole world at one time, He'll do it. If He has to destroy you, there's a sin unto death for the individual. You cross that line, God will kill you. He'll put an end to your life. But we don't know. A spiritual person trusts God. The spiritual mind puts all in God's hands. The carnal mind does not. Carnal mind retains control, they think. But it don't work. Because you try to force somebody, they fight you. You ought to find that out, raising children. It happens right early on. And it don't stop unless they become spiritually minded. You let them grow up and keep that carnal mind, you're going to have a fight on your hands down the road. Envy, strife, and division. Jesus' prayer was that we be one. Yes. Not divided. Not division. Not between God's people. How can you not have division? Well, you have to walk after the Spirit. Right. And, the, and, and this is the way, and I'll say this and I'll quit. I'm staggering around here. But, but I've thought about this in all of this too. All the churches I've known in my life, there's always been... Just a, a few people, maybe just one or two in the church that was really spiritually minded. They carried the whole thing. Had a bunch of carnal people fighting and fussing and striving against one another. Everybody trying to straighten everybody out. And the few that were spiritual minded, they carried the whole thing. They trusted God. They prayed for others. They were the blessing they were the the peacemakers, the you know what you really got going is if you've got a church that's got more spiritually minded people in it than carnal people, then that church can go somewhere. And that's the truth. So what's so important? What is most important? Well, then we walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. That we truly get born again. And that the Spirit of God truly lives in us. One of the things I was going to say at the beginning was this. That, you know, people come to church and listen to truth, listen to truth, and listen to truth. And you wonder why they don't ever get it. And I thought about this. It's like... Come to church, you hear these truths, and you it's like you're like the clutter in your car. 
is are in your junk drawer at home. You don't take care of it. You don't keep it where you know where it is. You handle it lightly and loosely. And it's and you can't ever find it when you need it. At the hour that you need what you heard, you done forgot it because you don't even can't find it. It's mixed up in all that other clutter of your mind. Churches even around here used to, and I've known a lot of people that remember the days when they had church once a month. A preacher come through once a month and they had church. The rest of the time they didn't have church. But what he preached that one time that he was there, they thought about it all month. You wonder how people fared back then with so little preaching. They kept better, they, they did better at keeping what little they got. Here we get, we, it's just like our food. We gorge ourselves and we indulge in it. We got more than we can eat. So a lot of it gets thrown out the back door for the cats and dogs to eat. Don't be carnally minded. Realize what being carnally minded is. Check yourself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 there, Paul was, it was a stern rebuke to those people what he said there. And he didn't write them all off into hell. He just said you're acting like carnal people. You're acting like you're lost. I've been feeding you milk because you can't take nothing else. Are you carnal? Are you lost? Wake up! He was doing what I'm doing tonight. I ain't saying you're lost. I'm just saying you better check yourself how you live. Grow up. A child is carnal. These little children, they're carnally minded. They're not spiritually minded yet. Now they can be one of these days. But if a child left to themselves, left to themselves, left to a carnal mind, they're going to grow up with a carnal mind, have a carnal mind, live at, walk after the flesh, and it's death. And if you're 40 or 50 or 60 years old sitting here tonight or 18 or 15 and you're walking after the flesh, then you need to grow up. You need to start watching yourself. You need to start caring about this matter. You want to stand before God? What if Jesus had come tonight? And here you are. Not ready. I tell you what, there's everybody in here, has, including myself, got enough to worry about about me without worrying about everybody else. I just, and if, you know, and preaching is what's to help us. We need to listen to the preaching. We need to take what God gives us and we need to apply it in our lives. And we need to pray for one another. And we need to desire mercy for one another and desire good. And love worketh no ill to his neighbor. He wants the best for him. Really does. Doesn't envy him. He's glad when his neighbor prospers. Glad when he can sing better than I can. Glad when he can play better than I can. Glad when he can make more money than I can. Amen.
Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for helping me here, even though it was a little scattered, more than I wanted it to be. Uh, I know there were some things that I was going to say that's probably left out, but I pray that that doesn't matter. I pray that you would just help everybody to understand this truth tonight and help us to wake up about what a carnal mind is and and that it makes us the enemy of God and it, it assures us of death. Lord, help us. I pray that we'd all examine ourselves, watch ourselves, walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Look for that evidence in our life also that we're not striving against others, that we're not separating ourselves from others, causing division. Lord, help us in our homes, in our in the church, out there at the workplace, with a, whoever we run into in our daily walk. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of our attitude, the attitude of our mind and heart toward them. Lord, help us to walk as you walked. Help us to have that mind of Christ. And help us to see others as you see them. And love them as you do. And care for them as you do. And have compassion on them as you do. And do something to help them like you did. And like you do. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen.